On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to ask, is there a problem with Christianity? Is it causing well, actually, problems? Actually, is Christianity itself the problem? Yeah. You know, the world is in pretty bad chaos. Yeah. And there are people who say, well, the reason is because of Christian religion and specifically Christianity. Yeah. So what do you think? Is Christianity the problem? Don't go anywhere. We're going to get started on that right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study, the first one for June of 2020, June 4th, 2020. I thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here, Kyle. Glad that you're on the other end of the line. Look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. In the chat room, you can comment with other listeners. We'll be monitoring that. That's probably the best way for your voice to be heard, but we'd love for you to chime in on uh, the phone or on email tonight as well. Um, if you haven't signed in, sign in with other listeners there. We're looking forward uh, to hearing from you on the program tonight. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into our subject, Jacob. Uh, this Sunday... Beginning this Sunday, we return to a near normal schedule here at College View. Yeah. Uh, the only exception being that on Sunday morning we won't have a Bible class and worship. We'll just have a worship period at 1030. Everything else, Sunday night, 630, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're back and, and we're glad of it. So uh, if, if you're in the area or if you have an opportunity to visit with us, uh, please know that we're on a pretty much regular schedule with the one exception being we're not meeting at 9.30 Sunday morning for Bible studies. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about washing your car when you come to church now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of like driving. Kyle was like slicking up those tires and driving <laughs> real slow. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we did. And, I, you know, we talked about this for several weeks. In fact, we ended up doing our <clears throat> drive-in parking lot worship services for 11 weeks that just doesn't even seem possible to me that we did that for 11 weeks, but we did. Uh, and I really think that it turned out to be a good experience for us. I think it was a positive thing for the church here. And most importantly of all, it gave us the opportunity to continue worshiping God on the first day of the week as we believe he wants us to do. Uh, I know other places ran into difficulties with that arrangement, but here in our community and in our state of Tennessee, we were at liberty to do that. We did. It worked out well. I, I'm, but I know, because everybody has said so, it was good for what it was, but we're ready to be back in the church building and get back to a more normal assembly. Now, our assemblies are going to be altered somewhat. We're going to do some special seating arrangements and some other things that are a little different still. But uh, at least we're back in the building Sunday right. morning at 1030. All right. Uh, you're going to be doing a lot of uh, you know yelling from the pulpit. Can we get one of those uh, little screens that they put up in front of the cashier at the store? You know, like a spit guard? Yeah, we might need that. <laughs> or else don't set the front row, guys. You may, you might be in trouble. You know, that is true. Uh, I don't want to be too gross here, but I have to clean my screen every yeah. other week or so because you do when you're projecting your voice, you do 
send out a good bit of spit. But thankfully, the pulpit is back uh, a good ways it, from the front row. It rows. might be a little bit uh, questionable, though, for visitors. They come in and there's that in front of the pulpit. You know, They might think that we're throwing tomatoes or something yeah, out there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, come and be with us uh, if you're anywhere in the area. We'd love for you to visit with us. On to the to- topic at hand tonight. All right. So there are people who claim that the problem in the world, the, the big problem in the world is religion that uh, and all acknowledge that the world has problems and there's a lot of chaos and warring and fighting and all kinds of strife and division even in our own country and uh, in the current event mode we're having all kind of issues here in our country uh and and there are those who say you know it, the root cause of all that business is this is religion in general and christianity in specific causing these problems i, I want to read to you i I found a blog by a fella by the name of Chaz Buff or Boof, B-U-F-E, uh, 20 Reasons to Abandon Christianity. It's really a long article, and it, and it would take the rest of the hour just to read, much less try to comment what he said. But I just want to read some highlights of this to demonstrate what critics and skeptics of Christianity are saying. Okay. So bear with me. This takes just a couple minutes. Christianity is based on fear. Throughout almost its entire time on earth, the motor driving Christianity has been, in addition to the fear of death, the fear of the devil, and the fear of hell. Christianity preys on the innocent. If Christian fear-mongering were directed solely at adults, it would be bad enough, but Christians routinely terrorize helpless children through grisly depictions of endless horrors and suffering they'll be subjected to if they don't live good Christian lives. Christianity has darkened the early years of generation after generation of children. Mm. Christianity is based on dishonesty. The evidence supporting Christian beliefs is far from compelling. Christianity is extremely egocentric. Uh, perhaps Christianity's strongest appeal is it's a promise of eternal life. Well, there's absolutely no evidence to support this claim. Most people are so terrified of death that they cling to this uh, uh Treacherous promise, uh, some of us misspelled there, uh, uh, like frightened children. Uh, another manifestation of the extreme egotism of Christianity is the belief that God is intimately concerned with the picayune aspects of and directly intervenes in the lives of individuals. Mm. Christianity brings arrogance, a, a chosen people mentality. Christians have often called themselves God's people, the chosen people, the elect, the righteous, and so forth, while non-believers have been labeled heathens, infidels, and atheistic communists. Christianity breeds authoritarianism. Given that Christians claim to have the one true faith, to have the book that is the word of God, they feel little or no compunction about using force and coercion to enforce God's will. Christianity is cruel. Throughout its history, cruelty, both to self and others, has been one of the most prominent features of Christianity. Christianity is anti-intellectual, anti-scientific. For over a millennium, Christianity arrested the development of science and scientific thinking. In Christendom, from the time of Augustine until the Renaissance, Renaissance, systematic investigation of the natural world was restricted to theological investigation. Scientific knowledge advanced hardly an inch in the over 
1,000 years from the rise of Orthodox Christianity in the 4th century to the to the 1500s, and the populace was mired in the deepest squalor and ignorance. Christianity has a morbid, unhealthy preoccupation with sex. The Ten Commandments contain commandments contain. The Ten Commandments contain a commandment forbidding the coveting of one's neighbor's wife, but the Ten Commandments don't even mention slavery, torture, or cruelty, which were abundantly common in the time the commandments were written. This speaks volumes about their writer's preoccupation with sex and women as property. Christianity produces sexual misery. Christianity produces a great misery among its own adherents through its insistence that sexual intimacy, except in a very narrow variety it sanctions, is evil and against God's law. Uh, Christianity has an exceedingly narrow legalistic view of morality. Uh, until the latter part of the 19th century, Christians engaged in the slave trade and Christian preachers defended it, citing biblical principles from the pulpit. Christians, today Christians ignore the very real evils plaguing our society, poverty, homelessness, hunger, milita- militarism, a grossly unfair distribution of wealth and income, ecological, uh, de- despol- despoliation, I'm not sure about that word. It, uh, greed, overpopulation, sexism, racism, homophobia, freedom denying, invasive drug laws, so forth and so on. Uh, yeah. Christianity encourages the acceptance of real evils while focusing on imaginary evils. It diverts attention from real problems by focusing attention on sexual issues. And when confronted with social evils such as poverty, Christians glibly dismiss these with platitudes such as, the poor you have with you always. Christianity depicts the natural. Uh, Christianity depreci- depreciates the natural world. Christianity creates social myopia through its emphasis on the supposed afterlife, encouraging Christians not to be concerned with the things of this world. This focus on the afterlife often leads to a distinct lack of concern for the natural world and sometimes outright anti-ecological attitudes. Christianity models hierarchical authoritarian organization. Christianity is perhaps the ultimate top-down enterprise. Uh, God is on top, the clergy next, the great unwashed masses at the bottom. Christianity sanctions slavery. The African slave trade was almost entirely conducted by Christians. Preachers who defended slavery from the preachers defended slavery from the pulpit in Virginia, the Carolinas, and Georgia. Uh, The record of Christianity regarding slavery is quite shameful. Christianity is misogynistic misogyny is fundamental to the basic writings of christianity of course that's uh, depreciating women and passage after passage women are encouraged even commanded to accept an inferior role and to be ashamed of themselves for the simple fact that they are women christianity is homophobic christianity from its beginnings has been markedly homophobic the biblical basis for this homophobia lies in the story of sodom in genesis and leviticus the Bible is not a reliable guide to Christ's teachings. The, the text of the Bible have been amended, translated, and retranslated so often, it's extremely difficult to gauge its accuracy uh, from uh, in the current editions. The, the Bible, Christianity's basic text, is riddled with contradictions. There are a number of glaring contradictions in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Christianity borrowed its central myths and ceremonies from other ancient religions. The world, the ancient world was rife with tales of virgin birth, miracle working saviors, tripartite gods, gods taking human form, gods rising from the dead, heaven and hell and days of judgment. You have to keep going. That's it. 
I won't quit. That's 20. He gives 20 reasons, and I just gave you the highlights. 20 reasons to abandon Christianity. But you get the idea that this guy is absolutely convinced that Christianity is horrible, and it is the root cause of all the problems that exist in the world. Now, this is just one guy. But you don't have to look very hard at the Internet to find just volumes of this kind of stuff being being published out there by the skeptics and critics and doubters uh, who blame religion, blame Christianity for all the problems the world faces. What do you think about that? 877-381-4567 in the chat room tonight. Let us know your thoughts. Kyle, uh, pretty unpleasant uh, stuff there, um, but stuff that you can probably hear in a lot of corners of the world today oh, absolutely it's you can turn on uh turn on the television most any day you can find christianity just berated just drug through the dirt i mean especially with the modern world we live in because uh the uh the agendas uh abortion and homosexuality just the world is flipped. Now we are evil, and they and, and, are. The, and they are. I think you're right, Kyle. And, and they are the enlightened ones, and we are just ignorant buffoons who've swallowed the Kool Aid. Uh, that's the way we're represented, very much so in the media. Yeah, and uh, and they are the morally elite. Uh, yeah. They have the moral high road. Yeah. yeah. All right. Before we get to our break, and that took longer than I thought, but to, before we get to the break, here's the questions we sent out to our update list earlier today. Number one, when we speak in defense of Christianity, are we defending all forms of religion? And are we even defending all who identify as Christians? Question one. Question two, explain how true Christians relate to their neighbors, treat the poor and needy, act toward those of other ethnicities, behave as citizens in their communities, respond to those who treat them as enemies. Number three, do the moral standards taught by Christians help or hurt society? And number four, are true Christians coercive in their efforts to teach others? All right. We've got some good things to talk about, and we're going to get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Misconception number 22. The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can't explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. To have a right to do something is not at all the same as it to be right in doing it. People who have no charity for the faults of others are generally blind to their own. The deeper the darkness, the farther a little light will shine. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight as we ask the question, is Christianity the problem? And we ask you for your responses earlier today. Brian out in California sent his response. He says, perhaps we sometimes lose sight of the wall erected between us and the church and others of the world who do, in fact, enjoy and sharing the same mutual liberties as are, are ours. I value and appreciate those afforded the freedom to speak their minds, share their opinions, as much as I do my own exercise, because I know when they've lost their right to be heard, I've more than likely lost mine as well. However, we can never be thought of having given endorsement or equal merit to any or all of the messages simply because they resonate in an open forum where ours may as well. 
Being freely heard doesn't translate to being automatically accepted. We should test the spirits, he says. And so he says, just so just because people are accepting the message, maybe people, lots of people are accepting the trash that this guy has put together. That doesn't make it right. He says you need to test the spirits. He says we can too easily confuse this solidarity to open exchange teachings and tenets of Christendom with unity and in being with like fellowship one to another. Only the true disciple of Christ espouses the whole counsel of God with the only authority we have to guide us, the word. Yeah, I I think, that, I mean, I, I believe that Brian's observations are accurate. We defend the right of people to say whatever they want to say and to believe whatever they want to believe. We're going to talk at the end, one of our last questions. We're not trying to coerce people to believe what we believe. We're asking them to reason with us. But we're not we're not trying to force anybody to believe what we believe. That guy has a right to express himself. But it would be nice if a fellow such as him would investigate true Christianity. I mean, uh, well, just the excerpts, the few excerpts that we read indicate that he doesn't he doesn't have a clue about true Christianity, and that's what we're going to try to expose as we talk about these other questions tonight. But certainly, he has a right to say that. And think about this. We're dealing with his accusation. It's, it's not like we're trying to dodge this. We're, we're throwing it out there for discussion. Uh, and we're not going to be able to get to all of it. I wish we could because as you're reading there, there things come to mind that, oh, we can. Uh, that's easy to answer. That yeah. one, oh, what a yeah. straw man that is. Yeah. And, and so and we, could, we could spend a multitude of programs talking with, about his, with facts, not just lobbing, uh, slinging mud like he's doing. Actually, with facts, talk about uh, why that's not right. That's right. But again, we're open to the criticism. We will accept and deal with the criticism. We think we can. We're not afraid of it. Uh, but uh, that guy has a right, as Brian says, to voice his his opinion. Uh, it's a good thing that he that we live in a place where he can. We can voice ours, and we can give an answer to what he has to say. To his first, uh, to your first question, and one of his big uh, gripes here is the idea that that we're defending a lot of things that have been done in the name of religion in the past, and that's simply not the case. Those aren't defensible. Well, first of all, we're not defending all forms of religion. I mean, I, I, that that was our question: Are we defending all forms? Absolutely not. We're not defending all forms of religion. If you listen to us at all, you understand that we believe that Christianity is exclusive, uh, that that it excludes other religions. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So we accept that. We accept Jesus as our Lord and Master. We accept his teaching in that regard that you can't approach God in any other way. And so we're certainly not defending religions that don't believe in Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, uh, we think they're wrong. Yeah. We, we would try to reason with those people and explain to them why we think they're wrong and also to explain to them the abundant evidence that supports the claims of Christ. And we just recently did that on a program on the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, again, we're open to those kind of discussions, but we're not defending all forms of religion. And... I think it's really important for us to, we're not, we're not defending everybody who calls themselves a Christian. And we're not defending everything that is done or has been done in the name of Christianity. You know, there were several references in that that I just read earlier where he said that, uh, you know, preachers 
defended slavery. Well, they were wrong about Shame that. Shame on them. Yeah, they were wrong on that. And, and, and we're not speaking to their defense. And they were not in accordance with Scripture, a big myth that uh, the Scripture condoned slavery. It did not condone slavery. Look at First Timothy 1, verse 10 for the answer to that question. It does not condone slavery. But it is a wake-up call for everyone who wants to wear the name Christian. Either get serious about it and live it or get rid of the name because you're doing damage not only to yourself but to the cause of Christ by parading around with this name if you're not going to live it because guys like this are going to say, look at Joe, look at Bob over there. They're, they're Christians, and look at all the terrible things they're doing. Yeah. Well, uh, and it, without looking to the Bible, and he, you, you, are, you are the face of Christianity to him, and you've given him all kinds of reason to blaspheme. Yeah. Uh, blaming true Christianity for these problems is sort of... Someone, someone made this analogy. It's like complaining about a counterfeit bill. A, a counterfeit bill is no good. You can't buy anything with it. And so that's like, uh, you know, so blaming these fake forms of Christianity or these illegitimate forms of Christianity for the problems that it has caused is, is like saying, you know, well, all money is bad because there's counterfeit money out there. Yeah. Uh, we're not defending everybody who calls themselves a Christian, not by any means. Uh, but we will say this. None of us is perfect. We all make mistakes. We all have our flaws. There was only ever one, only ever one perfect person, which was Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, but uh, uh, just because there are Christians, just because you and me and Kyle don't always live up to what we claim is not an indictment against Jesus and against the teachings of Christ and against the truths that are found in God's word. We are flawed people. We acknowledge our flaws. We have to repent and come back from our errors. Uh, but uh, are you, uh, here's some questions somebody asked. Are you going to uh, are you going to criticize so the, the the finest university professors have students that fail their classes? Uh, every doctor fails to cure some people. Uh, every in every hospital, people die. So are you gonna are you gonna write off all all university professors, all doctors, all hospitals because they they're not a hundred percent effective in dealing with the issues that that are in their realm? Uh, and so I, I think that's a pretty good way to look at Christianity. We're not perfect, and none of us are, but, you, but to criticize Christianity as a whole, or the true way of Christ as a whole, because people are imperfect in application of his teachings, uh, is a mistake. But we're not defending. When we, when we speak in defense of Christianity, we are not defending all who call themselves Christians. Yeah, absolutely not. Here's what Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, said about it. When we speak of Christianity, we are not defending all forms of religion, either are we defending all who self-identify as Christians. What we are defending as Christianity is the New Testament church and its universal extension, which is the realm of salvation for all who have obeyed the gospel of Christ through their faith, repentance of sin, confession of Christ, and baptism for their remission of sins, in addition to the local extension of the New Testament church, which is not the only authorized functioning unit we read of in the New Testament. The local church must be scriptural in its designation organization, work, and worship. And so Kent's very 
uh, focused in what he defends in the area of Christianity. Dwight out in Iowa said, Christianity is not the problem. Satan is the problem. And our selfish ways to desire Satan over God. We cannot defend all forms of Christianity because there is only one true way to serve God. To defend multiple man-made ways of Christianity would not bring glory to God. 1 Peter 4, verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and honor and dominion, belong to glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Dwight's point is very good here, um, and that uh, we need to be defending true Christianity. And true Christianity is, as First Peter 4, verse 11 says, speaking as uh, uh, the oracles of God um, and doing things in the way that God has prescribed so that God will be glorified. When we don't do what God said to do, when we worship God and we live like we want to live, Instead of by submitting to his will, he's not glorified. It doesn't bring glory to him. And so we're only defending the religious behavior that glorifies God, that is which is in accordance with his will. If I go out and make up my own way and call it Christianity. I do this. I can't read about it in the Bible, but I'm going to put the label of Christianity on it. It doesn't bring glory to God. In fact, it brings shame, as this gentleman points out, when we're doing all these divergent things. So if, if I'm a televangelist and I beg people for their money, and then I live in luxury and fly around in my private jets and Rolls Royce cars while the people who've given me money are suffering in poverty. That's not God's plan. That that's not an indictment of true Christianity. That's an indictment of that guy for for yep. the crook that he is. Yep. But don't don't have such a broad brush that you're just going to wipe all Christianity with that same smear. Uh, that that guy deserves. That's right. Um, and it's not just the televangelist. Me in my personal life, if I'm not submitting to the will of God, it's us and our corporate uh, activities as a church. If we're not doing things in accordance with God's will, we don't have authority for what we're doing, we're not bringing glory to God. We're giving the, uh, occasion for... And, and that's really an important principle. And that's something that all of us need to keep in mind. Our purpose is to glorify God. And if in my doing of this... If the way I, I live, the, the way I act in my family, the way I act on the job, the way I talk, the places I go, if if I'm failing to glorify God, then I'm failing my purpose for existence. Now, and the, so let's take it to the extreme. He likes to reference this idea of slavery, that there were preachers defending slavery. Well, those preachers probably said, well, it seems okay to me. I don't see anything wrong with it. Everybody's doing it, and and, and I like it. So I'm gonna uh, we're going to have slavery. Well... No, you can't because you didn't line up with God's will. But people are doing that in other areas that we might th- not think are that bad. But, hey, I'm going to do this activity that's not authorized because I like it, because I don't see anything wrong with it. Everybody else is doing it, so it's okay. Well, it's, that's just as egregious as the guy defending slavery uh, when we're departing from God's will. We've got to make sure that we're demanding God authority for all that we do, both corporately and individually. Now, you, you ask, uh, are we defending all who self-identify as Christians? Dwight said, no, just because one says they are Christian does not make them a Christian. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who do, does the will of the, my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So people 
self-identifying as Christians here, Matthew chapter 7, and Jesus said, ah, no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know you. Don't know you. You've been yeah. doing a lot of things you called Christianity, but I never knew you because you were practicing lawlessness or you were acting without authority. We do not want to be that man on the day of judgment. Right. All right. Let's grab our break when we come back. Now, let's look. We, we, we're not going to cover everything that the blogger talked about, but we're going to use some examples to show that actually true Christians are are the right kind of people in the way that they treat their neighbors, help the poor and needy, uh, the way they interact with people of other ethnicities, the way they behave as citizens, and even how they treat those who are their enemies. All right, we're going to get that on the other side of this week's bullet point. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Wynn with this bullet point. Our kids learn from us. Hopefully they learn good things from the positive ideals and examples that we set before them. Unfortunately, they definitely learn bad things from our sinful attitudes and deeds. I once knew of a large extended family that always gathered for Sunday dinner after the worship services. The grandparents and parents were Christians, and there were a number of children in the group. It so happens that this family was very negative and bitter toward various other Christians and toward the church generally. Their family meals turned out to be regular and constant gripe sessions about the congregation and the people in it. I'm sure you will not be surprised to know the results of this negativity on the grandchildren. To my knowledge, only one of them became a faithful Christian. I spent some time wondering why. There are no doubt a number of contributing circumstances, but it seems certain that one big factor was the continual bombardment of negativism that these kids received from their parents and grandparents. After all, why would these young people want to be a part of something that was so bad by their parents and grandparents' description? Do you see what we mean? We realize that there are no perfect Christians and no perfect congregations. Problems will come up. These problems will have to be addressed, but let's be sure that we handle these problems as the Lord has commanded, being careful to avoid all malice, hatred, and bitterness toward others. And take all precautions to shield your children from the negative attitudes that could potentially hinder them from wanting to take up their place in the Lord's church and in his service. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. To remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. And we're glad to say that you can find out more about our meeting times and our meeting uh, meeting times and our location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Those meeting times are almost accurate. You'll just be an hour early if you come for Bible study. We're holding off on that for a little while until I, as we wait for the dust to clear from the coronavirus. But 10.30, 6, and 7 are the times that you can come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And we want to invite you to come be a part of our worship services. Kyle, you're going to get this out there on some stream. You're going to have to up your game a little bit. Uh, some more live streaming. Hey, there. listen, yeah. Kyle has been very busy during these 11 weeks that we've been in lockdown mode. I mean, He's been showing up early to help me get a, a, a sermon recorded for our Sunday night live stream, and he's he's been writing a mix of it all. Ah, he has there. been. He's been doing a great job. Yeah, which I'm glad we're back in the building. So we're going to be. I'm, I know everybody's glad. So yeah, and we're glad that uh, you're listening tonight, and we want to hear from you anytime. Questions at collegeu.com. Don't care when you're listening to this program. Uh, if you've got a question or comment, send it in. If you've got a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Send that in as well. Need to give a shout-out out there to Lou in the chat room tonight. He and his wife are, have welcomed a new baby 
Uh, last week uh, it was getting we, yeah close. it was getting close boy or girl a uh, girl girl yeah. baby yeah. girl great so I don't know you know it's Lou may not even be awake at this point you I know, see maybe, him in the chat room well but he may be asleep I mean yeah. maybe some long Thank, nights congratulations yeah. to Lou and his family congratulations all right uh, we're talking about Christianity asking if it's the problem tonight uh, so a lot of folks pointing the finger at Christianity say ah this is why the world is in the shape it's in is because all those Christians running around doing all those terrible things. Uh, and, and, and as we were just saying, we don't we don't deny the fact that people have done and even currently are doing bad things in the name of Christianity. We're not defending that. No. Uh, but what we're saying is that if you would really investigate true Christianity, I think you'd see a much different picture. Yeah. For instance. We ask in our questions, explain how true Christians relate to their neighbors. I, I, I'll just I'll just give you one verse, or maybe two, that, I mean, just think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 12, the so-called golden rule. Therefore, whatsoever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. What a perfect rule to live by. If everybody did that. Problem? There wouldn't be any problems in the world if everybody treated others whatsoever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Jesus also said in Mark 12, verse 31, love your neighbor as yourself. If you put that into practice, if you put those concepts right there, just those simple concepts, if you put them into practice, the, the troubles of the world vanish. The problem is people don't live by that rule. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, is Christianity the problem? No. 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 When we live by those principles, that solves problems. That doesn't cause problems. People are the problem. All right. Absolutely. Uh, as cr- true Christians, Kent says we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, Matthew nineteen nineteen. Uh And then Dwight says uh, that uh, Luke six thirty one and 36, 35 through 36 says it quite well. Treat others the same way you would want them to treat you, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Kent and and Dwight say, hey, if you live in that, then there's no problem. All right, let's take another example. In other words, the the accusation is that, that Christianity is really, really bad, but I would, I would say, not if you investigate, for instance, investigate how true Christians treat the poor and needy. That was another part of our question. Well, Jesus himself, the one that we try to imitate, spent uh, a lot of his time here on earth helping widows, the poor, strangers, women, children. You can read about that when you read about his life. In fact, he was also very gracious toward those who were considered to be the the vilest of society, the the publicans and sinners and outcasts. He he welcomed them, and we could recite the verses if you want. Uh, but Jesus taught, "Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great." Luke six verse thirty five. So, in regards to those who are Poor and needy, sort of the 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 off casts of society, if you will. Jesus told us to care for them and to reach out to them, and 
if this guy who wrote this blog and others who criticize Christianity would like to do some statistical study, studies will show uniformly and universally that those who identify as Christians are more likely than others to do good deeds. They volunteer more time. They donate more money to good causes. Uh, they're among the first to respond when there is need. That you can't find a study that says otherwise. I would gladly, I would gladly have those who, and again, that I, I, I wouldn't defend them all as being true Christians, but I would say among those who, I would gladly put those who self-identify as Christians up against those who are atheist unbelievers, and let's compare their contributions toward the poor and needy. You want to talk about somebody who should be ashamed? It'll be those who criticize Christianity, not those who pra- try to practice it. All right. Uh, let's see what uh, Kent says. Kent says, uh, as individual Christians, we must have a benevolent attitude toward all those who are truly poor and in need. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 4, verse 28. So Kent says, hey, if you're going to live it like you need to be living it, then you will be benevolent. It's, it's taught over and over again in the scriptures. There, there's an abundance of instruction. Now, I don't think we probably fulfill that as we should but it's, the teaching is certainly there and it's a it's a it's a high mark for us to try to attain to all right 877-381-4567 tonight and then you got what i got it That's got Dwight. dwight's we got dwight covered. okay all right all right so we see that true christians they, they if they follow god's word they're relating wonderfully to their neighbors they're busy helping the poor and needy what about other ethnicities? What about racism, for instance? This this blogger had a lot of criticism, as we've mentioned a couple times, about slavery. Those who were calling themselves Christians and engaging in slave trade were not following the will of God. Absolutely the, will, the, the word of God does not endorse slavery. Now, <clears throat> that, that might be a worthy study sometime for us on the virtual Bible study, Jacob, to talk about what slavery really is is and what the bible a lot of times when the bible talks about servants or slaves it's talking about what would we would identify as indentured servants people maybe who sold themselves into slavery to pay a debt or or maybe even to be cared for by their masters because they couldn't care for themselves what we call slavery today the bible identifies as men stealers those man stealers and it always condemned them yeah. In the Old and New Testament, we, we we might ought to dig into that a little more deeply in, a, in a, a version of the virtual Bible study. But the fact of the matter is that that the Bible, God's word, as Christians, we are encouraged to not be prejudicial toward others. Yep. In Acts chapter 10, verse 30, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 34 Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. God is not a respecter of persons, and we are urged not to be either. In James chapter 2, verse 9, James chapter 2, verse 9 says, If you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Yep. Simple as that. Uh, the Bible condemns it. So, I mean, yeah, you know, there are people who are prejudiced. There are people who wear the name Christian who are prejudiced, and there have been throughout time. 
that doesn't mean that Christianity is wrong. It's those people that are wrong, those people that are causing harm. Are we and are, and are we perfect? Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, could we do better in how we treat those of other ethnicities? I think so. I think it's improving. I, th- I think in my lifetime, I've seen dramatic improvement, which is a good thing. Is there room to grow in that even more? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. But the, the teachings of Christ in regards to how we should treat those of other ethnicities is perfect. There's no problem there. It's, yeah. it, it may be a problem in our application, but as we strive toward the mark of what God's Word calls us to do, the, the, we, we, it's better. It's not worse. All right. Kyle? I think uh, if there's ever a time for a true Christianity, it's right now, I think, in our modern world. I think it's uh, we need to make sure we're putting our best foot forward to make sure we're living God's principles daily, right? And I think right now and yep. every day in our lives. So yep. I think if we do that every day, we'll probably see a better world. I think we need to live. Absolutely, yep. yes. All right. Um Kyle said, I mean, sorry, Kent said, we must recognize that God has made of one blood all nations of individuals to dwell on the face of the earth and must, and, and react to them in the same manner that we would have them react toward us, Acts 17, verse 26. So Kent says again, the Bible does not condone uh, prejudice. And it actually condemns us being respecters of persons. And so we're going to follow the word of God. We cannot have that in our hearts. Exactly right. All right. So... Well, uh, here's another example. How do true Christians behave as citizens in their communities? Ugh. Well, we're taught to obey civil government, Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. We're told to pay our taxes, Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. We're taught to live peaceably with all men, Romans 12, verse 18. We're supposed, we're told to work, to provide for ourselves, provide for our own, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 in quietness do our own work we're told to do and we're actually supposed to uh, according to ephesians 4 verse 28 labor working with our hands that we may have to help others as well so i would say that as citizens in the community a true christian would be the best one you could find yep absolutely absolutely and that's what kent said as well Kent says we must behave as model citizens in the communities where we live in compliance with the word of God. Acts 5, verse 29, in addition to all civil laws that do not conflict with the word of God, Romans 13, verses 1 through 4. And so, yeah, the Christian will be, if he's living like he should, the model citizen uh, in the community. Every community should want to have these citizens. Yeah, exactly right. All right. And then before we get to our, our last break, one more example. Now, again... We can't, we can't hope to address everything that that blogger talked about, but we're just using these as some examples of how you can't, you know, you got the wrong picture. If you're saying Christianity is the source of the problem, you got the wrong picture. It's actually the solution of the problem. We've seen how it teaches us to relate to our neighbors, to treat the poor and needy, uh, to treat other uh, people of other ethnicities, uh, to behave as citizens in the community. And finally, the example I ask people to respond about, what, how, how, how are Christians told to treat their enemies? Well, uh, look at Matthew chapter 5. This, this is a, a famous statement of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that res- you resist not 
evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Uh, he, J- Jesus uh, also said uh, in... Uh, uh, oh, I was right there. Verse verse 44 of, of Matthew 5. Uh, I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So even in, in in regards to how we treat those who come against us as enemies, we're we're told to act right about that. Yeah. Don't uh, we referenced Romans twelve earlier? We're not to take vengeance; vengeance belongs to God. We're to live peaceably with all men. Uh, even even in regards to people who would who would call themselves our enemies, we're still supposed to treat them right. Here's what Kent said about it. He said, we must treat our enemies with kindness and seek to win them to God's truth, Matthew 5, 34, or 43 through 48. Such does not mean that we should ever compromise with God, uh, compromise God's truth, Philippians 1, 15 through 17, and uh, Jude verse 3. Defending the faith and answering false doctrine, even though we press our points in argumentation and debate, does not mean we should engage in personal attacks. Our purpose in defending the truth and opposing error is to encourage individuals to accept and obey the truth. All right. So I think it's time for a break. All right. Let's take our last break. we got a couple of questions we want to talk about as we go to the top of the hour. <clears throat> Do the moral standards taught by Christians help or hurt society? He's got a problem with the moral standards. Yeah. He's got a real problem with that. Are true Christians coercive in their efforts to teach others? We're going to get a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter to heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The United States Justice Department stated that the government may not impose social restrictions on religious activity that do not also apply to similar non-religious activity. This in response to the citation of the Temple Baptist Church members in Greenville, Mississippi for holding parking lot worship services. The congregants listened to the church sermon over car radios while remaining in their cars. However, the Greenville churchgoers were fined $500 per person. The Justice Department emphasized religious freedom in the response of any state or local government to their COVID-19 responses and sided with the church. That information is via www.justice.gov. The Word of God says in Matthew 23, verse 13, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, asking the question, is Christianity the problem? This uh, blogger that we've looked at to start the program really got a problem with a lot of things in Christianity. And uh, I think some of the problems that he's going to uh, bring forth now uh, really illustrate why he has a negative tone for uh, against yeah, Christianity. Yeah. D- just let me remind you of what he said here. Christianity produces sexual misery. Christianity produces great misery among its own adherents through its insistence that sexual intimacy uh, 
except in the very narrow variety it sanctions is evil and against God's law. It condemns sex between unmarried people, sex outside of marriage, homosexual relations, bestiality, even impure sexual thoughts. Indulging in such things can and will, in the conventional Christian view, lead straight to hell. Uh, so uh, he's saying that's bad. To speak yeah. out against those things is bad, and it's causing misery. It causes misery. Yeah. When there are rules and laws against moral conduct, moral misconduct, it's 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 really hurtful, it, and that that causes a lot of problems. <clears throat> I think that any honest person would say, you know, just the opposite is true yep. about that. So I, I, I'm married to my wife, and uh, this, the the rule of God relative to my marriage to my wife is quite narrow. Yeah, yep. you know. Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, what God has joined together, let not man put us under. Yep. Matthew 19, 9, that says that there's only one allowed cause whereby I might divorce my wife and marry someone else without sin. Mm-hmm. And even in that context, the disciples said, that's a pretty hard rule. But think what that does. Think what that does. If I live by that rule, then I am protected from all sorts of heartache and pain. I'm protected from physical malady. Mm-hmm. Talk about valuing women. Women, my wife is protected in that arrangement. Um, it, it, whereas she's not just an object for sexual gratification. She's actually a working partner in a family relationship. He talks about how we devalue women. We're misogynistic, he says. Well, think about how that moral rule of God regulating marriage how it works to protect yep. me and my wife yep. from all kind of harm and 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 you know heartache yep and a strong family unit for the children and that it produces exactly. uh the benefits to society there and so so what if we don't what what if i can just go and have different partners and and father children and i don't even know i fathered and that's good. I guess this guy, this blogger says that's good. Yeah, that's and insisting for the Bible pattern is harmful. That's ruining the said. world. Yeah, and that's the problem. He said that guy's got it completely, totally backwards. Yep, absolutely. Uh, here's what Kent said: If we are faithful to Christ, our moral standards will be that of the Scriptures, which will be a proper influence upon society. Matthew five fourteen through sixteen. Unfortunately, some brethren become saturated by the influence of the world, and therefore they hurt the cause of the New Testament truth. When such happens and no repentance is enacted, we must withdraw ourselves from such brethren as an attempt to bring them back. Second Thessalonians three verses six through fifteen. And then Dwight says, "Help." Uh, it, that Christianity actually helps. Uh, he references Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. Although it's it hurts when those who are Christians go against good godly morals. So yeah, I like what he referenced there, uh, Galatians chapter five. There, yeah, this sounds like it would really mess up society if we followed this. Uh, have, if we had love, joy, peace, long suffering, yeah. kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. Yeah. That's what's wrong with the world. We got too much of that junk. Yeah. And we got to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Uh, I like this paragraph I read from somebody. 
Keeping the mind, okay, keeping the mind clean, Matthew 5, 28, the body modestly clothed, 1 Timothy 2, 9, treating the opposite sex respectfully, 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2, staying pure while single, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, and faithful while married, James 2, verse 11, present challenges to us. In other words, that, that challenges us to do all of that. Yet these choices avoid the serious problems that promiscuity brings. And he references Proverbs 13, verse 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Mm-hmm. The way of the transgressor is hard. Yep. If you go out and live a promiscuous lifestyle, you're not going to prosper by that. It's not going to be good in the long run. God's way is best for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got one more question, and we're getting close on time here. All right. So the final question. So I, I just really want to emphasize the moral standards taught by Christians coming from, that come from the Word of God do not hurt society. Now, they may hurt they him. Actually, he may not like it. He may not like it. They actually protect society. They protect society. Now, he just has a problem with it, and so he's going to shoot down the whole thing. Yeah. He'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. But uh, certainly, uh, just because you don't like him doesn't mean that they're not good. All right. Finally, are true Christians coercive in their efforts to teach others? You know, the implication of some of the things that the, that the blogger wrote were that we just we're just out here terrorizing people and scaring them into lining up, you know, line up or else, you know, and and even children, you know, yeah, yeah, we're just we're out here terrorizing children to try and get them to comply. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's nothing in the Word of God that teaches that that that. that in other words, we're certainly supposed to teach the the way of Christ, the Great Commission, Mark 16, verse 15, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what we're teaching. We're not we're not holding a gun to anybody's head. Now, have people done that in the past? Have 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 there been people who, in the name of Christianity, forcibly demanded to people to to obey? Yeah. And we're not defending that at all. But true Christians are not trying to coerce people. They're just teaching a better way. Yep. Uh, Eric said Christians shouldn't be coercive. Uh, the power is the word. He references Hebrews 4, verse 12. Uh, the word of God is quick and sh- uh, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He goes on, says, The word can and will convict, not the messenger, Although I acknowledge the effect of a good speaker, but he, he, and that's what we we need to remember that what we have the power is not us or any way that we might be uh, influential in trying to the way we present it. The power is the word, uh, and what we need to do is get the word, get the seed into the hearts of men, and it will produce fruit. That's right. Real quickly, Thank you, Eric, uh, for that comment. Kit says, in a, in a careful study of both the Old and New Testaments, God has never coerced any individual to obey him. Rather than coercion, God expects Christians to persuade others to obey the gospel and faithfully follow Christ, Second Corinthians 5, verse 11. And Dwight in Iowa says, a true, mature Christian would not force God's word on another, but would use God's word to teach others of their spiritual condition. We need to let the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, do the work. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. They put the truth out to people and let God give the increase. But I do believe we cannot hold back the truth. Uh, as Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, And I, brethren, came 
when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, very good, Dwight. Thank, right, thank you. you, Dwight, for that. All, All right. right. So, again, we're saying that the blogger is wrong, and everybody who accuses true Christianity of being the source of the problem is wrong. That Christianity is actually good for society and solves problems rather than causing problems. I got to just relate. How much time we got? You got, got time. Cut, cut, cut. I got to relate uh, a, a, some teaching that we did in Moscow, Russia, back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, a, a series of public lectures at a university in, in Moscow, and. Uh, one of the we had we divided the students into courses that classes that they wanted to attend, but one of the classes was just on the teachings of Jesus in specific the teachings found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And as that as that study progressed, uh, our brother who was teaching that class said to these college students, "Now understand, every one of them an atheist." had been taught and trained to be atheists. Uh, I mean, that was that was state-enforced education uh, in communist Russia. But he just asked a simple question. After they'd studied the principles that Jesus taught, he just asked a simple question. What if everybody in the world lived like that? And these students unanimously said, it'd be a wonderful world. They could see it. So, again, if an honest, careful examination of the Word of God does not lend to what this blogger has said, but lends to the conclusion is, man, we need to get more people living that way because the more that people live as God prescribed, the better off we are as a whole. Amen. And, Kyle, that's an encouragement to us all is uh, we need to be making the world a better place by the way that we live, uh, and we need to get serious about it so that we're not giving uh, ammunition to the naysayer who wants to say, ah, oh, look at that. Look how they live. That's why I don't want to be a Christian. Yeah, I think it's every day. I think uh, when, you, when we leave our homes or if we stay homes, we need to make sure that we're, whatever we're putting into the world, we make sure we're putting out that people recognize that we're Christian. We're living, living Christ daily in our lives. I just, uh, I think right now, especially, I think uh, every day we need to make sure we're living the best life. For Christ that we can. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. Kyle, thanks for helping us get yeah, out uh, on the air tonight. Uh, look forward to getting your live stream back in uh, on Sunday morning. And, uh, Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, thank you for being a part of the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.